0: I'm Monica, your host for today's episode. Do you ever feel that you're not good enough at work? Well, you're not alone. All over the world, billions of people go to work every day feeling anxious, defensive, isolated, braced for attack, overwhelmed, and uncertain that they're worthy. But the good news is that there are actions you can take to disrupt those patterns so that you can build the future you deserve. Meet Susan Winchester. Senior Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer for Applied Materials, whose passion is teaching and inspiring executives, leaders, and professionals how to succeed by discovering greater self-acceptance, fulfillment, and joy at work and in life. Susan shares her career journey and how learning to identify and address her limiting beliefs allowed her to step into a conscious healing career path. Susan has more than 30 years of experience in HR, providing executive leadership most recently as head of HR for Rockwell Automation, and prior to that in multiple leadership roles for the Kellogg Company. Susan is also the author of the book Healing at Work: a Guide to Using Career Conflicts to Overcome Your Past and Build the Future You Deserve. In this episode, Susan shares why it is important to identify our limiting beliefs, the three-step process to managing conflicts at work and why self-acceptance is the key to creating a more joyful world for ourselves. Visit com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Susan. Welcome, Susan. Thank you so much for joining us on the Beyond Barriers podcast. We are thrilled to have you here. You have also just released an amazing book that I want to make sure we touch on because you have so many um, tangible just pearls of wisdom for people to um, really have a a better work environment. And so I'm not going to steal your thunder. I want you to share all about your book. But before we get started, um, let our audience know who is Susan? What was your journey and how did you land here? And then share a little bit about the, you know, the the premise behind your book.
1: Sure. Thank you, Monica. It's really fun to be here. I'm, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So who am I? Uh, if you looked at my resume, you would see an HR leader who's been in the HR profession her entire life, it feels like, uh, almost uh, 34 years. And I've had the privilege of working in multiple industries inside the US, outside the US, and for three Fortune 500 companies. Mm -hmm. And and, uh, in the last 14 years, I've been the chief HR officer for two of those companies. And so, you know, I always laugh because people never know what really is behind the success and the achievements. (laughs) And, And I think it's really important to share that what fueled my success was my underlying limiting beliefs about myself that, that stemmed from some of the things that happened when I was little and a belief that I had that I wasn't good enough and that it was my job to prove myself over and over and over and over again. Yes. And, um, you know, it's a it's an exhausting way to live a life and a career. And while I'm proud of the achievements, there's there's no question about that. And I, I think that there's a different way to have the same achievements with a lot less of the um stress that comes along with that sense of always feeling like uh we've got to prove ourselves. And uh and that's exactly, you know, that's exactly what I wrote the book about was the fact that I lived 30 years of my my career on what I call the unconscious wounded career path. Mm. And the opportunity that we all have is the opportunity to actually step onto the conscious healing career path, Mm
2: -hmm. which is
1: a much more functional way of living a life and a career. That's
0: fantastic. And,
1: um, you know, I want to dive into, you know, the,
0: what you talked about around, you know, you had these fears and limiting beliefs. And I think, the wonderful thing that you've done in the book is you've been able to get the root cause of it, right? Like, yes, you figured out ways to get past, right? You had some techniques that helped you get overcome the fears or get past the limiting beliefs. But I think, you know, when I, when I kind of went through your book and was looking at all these things, it was more like understanding the root cause of what was causing these limiting beliefs that really helped you get rid of them. So share a little bit about that. What sure. were some of the techniques you used, but then also what was the ultimate hack that helped you kind of like finally say, okay, no more?
1: Well, I think, uh, you know, I mean, the, the journey to get to the insight was a painful journey and it was, um, living my life as a perfectionist and as a people pleaser. Yes. And I, I somehow walked away from my childhood. I, and this is not about you know, judging or beating up my parents, I think they did the best they could, that you know, so this is not about that at all. but i I did subconsciously, at a very deep core level of who I am, believe that it was my job to please others, and it was everybody else's job to determine my worth and my value. Mm-hmm. And and as a result of that, I was always in reaction mode to somebody else's mood. Uh, I've got many stories of, you know, the, the unconscious response that I was having. And, you know, I hate to admit this, but for years, the, the way I handled the feelings of, of not being good enough was to do everything I could all the time to make everybody feel like they were the most important um, stakeholder that I was working with, Right. Uh, which again, has a big impact on work-life balance. But then at night I would ruminate about what I did or didn't do what I said or didn't say and judge all of it, beating myself up. Mm -hmm. And the way to take the edge off was to use alcohol to try to calm down. Mm. And unfortunately a lot of overachieving perfectionists use negative self coping behaviors. And so it was this cycle of this, this sense of never being able to get off this wheel of, you know, proving myself. and over, there, I had, I had a pretty intense experience um, the night my sister died, and this mm-hmm. was 30 years ago. And it took a number of years, but I thought it was really important to write down the story of what happened to her the night she died. Mm-hmm. Um, she died, she was diagnosed with Hodgkin's disease, uh, fourth stage when she was 16. She mm-hmm. died 10 years later. And what ended up happening was I started writing a manuscript. And the essence of that first manuscript was really about using the most difficult, darkest times in our careers and lives to actually be the greatest teachers of leadership. You know, how do we break through our issues? How do we break through the perfectionism and the people-placing? The manuscript wasn't very well written, (laughs) to Mm -hmm. tell you the truth, because I wrote it over a lot of different years, Right. but it did start to lead to this insight that these moments, these most challenging moments in my career, when I am the most triggered, when I'm the most most raw relative to feeling that those limiting beliefs mm-hmm. are actually the moments to practice new ways of responding.
2: Mm.
1: And, you know, so I was very lucky that I met Martha Finney. Martha Finney was my co-author on the book back in, uh, we actually met professionally a number of years ago. We reconnected shortly after I was on this journey to try to figure out how do you how do you publish a manuscript? Right, And I believe it was God that brought us together because Martha is very good at what she does. And she never says to somebody, send me your manuscript. I want to read it. But for whatever reason, when we reconnected one day, I told her about what I'd done. And she said, send it to me. And I, I remember saying, well, I'll pay you to read it. I, I really felt badly asking her to read it. Uh-huh. And uh, she said, no, I, I want to read it. And she, the next morning when she was reading it, Uh, Actually, right before she read it, she sent me a note and she said, I have put myself in the last three months in self-seclusion at an Airbnb in Florida to sort out some of the things from my past. Mm -hmm. And I feel like God has brought us together to work on this project. And I remember I still, every time I said, I get chills. Well, she read the manuscript and she wrote back to me, I think that day or the next day. And Mm -hmm. she said, I want to know how you went from that childhood to that career And are you open to some new ways of positioning it? And I said, sure. So I got really lucky. I hit the Martha jackpot. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Hired her as my editor, but she created so much value in terms of the insights and the hacks that you were asking about a minute ago Mm -hmm. that really led to the the book, um, as it stands today, Healing at Work. And so some of those insights that we can teach. It's mm-hmm. just the awareness that when we get triggered at work, when we have a strong negative emotional reaction, right? Mm-hmm. I'm, sure, I'm sure every one of us deals with that. Oh, yes. a lot of conflict <laughs> that happens at work. Uh, when, when that happens, it's an immediate clue that we're likely overreacting to whatever's happening mm-hmm. because it's fueled by all those underlying negative beliefs we carry about ourselves, And we automatically go into fight, flight, or freeze. It's just this. uh, It's it's, uh, our brains are wired to respond. You know this. I mean, you and I were talking before we started. uh, Yeah. ago That a lot of us come away from our childhoods with these beliefs, but we can actually use the workplace conflicts. What Martha and I call bumper car moments when we crash into another person. I love that. Yeah. Crashes into us. Yeah. actually we even put the bumper cars on the book. Uh-huh. people facing off. It's what it often feels like is that when there's some intense emotional uh-huh. reaction, that's immediately a clue that we're having a bumper car moment. Right. And when we're in the middle of a bumper car moment, we have a choice. We can either have an unconscious reaction, which is typically an overreaction, uh-huh. or we can have a conscious reaction, which is that conscious healing career path response. And so there's actually a technique that we we don't go into a lot of detail in the book, but the, uh-huh. The technique is called the Rapid Power Reclaim. Yes, uh, it's very easy to lose ourselves in that trigger. You know when our our central nervous system and our brain get hooked, and yes. we go into that physiological reaction. Rapid Power Reclaim is a simple three step process. Step number one is to create choice. As soon as you feel that emotional physiological response realize that you've are been you been triggered, you're in a bumper car moment, but you have a choice to respond rather than going immediately into the physiological response. We always go into that fight, flight, or freeze. Yes. That is a clue that we have to do some work. So in order to do that, you have to create some choice. And the choice is realizing that you can respond differently than having that old past. Res- uh, it's almost, almost like our childhood past is hitchhiked onto our shoulders with us coming into work. Right. And so the second step then is to elevate your action, that rather than having the immediate, what I would call the knee-jerk reaction to what we typically do, go Mm -hmm. talk to colleagues, I can't believe she did that, can you believe the boss is showing up this way, someone interrupted me in a meeting, Um, I didn't get a promotion, all these things cause these reactions, Mm -hmm. we can elevate our action in the moment, which is rather than responding how we might have when we were younger, for me, it's people-pleasing. Right. Wait a minute. I am an adult. I am operating in my highest functioning self. How do I want to respond to this situation differently? If we stay stuck in the trigger, mm-hmm. the choice. Um, it, sometimes we go into this adrenaline warp and we actually lose track of where we are. Yes. You can just break that moment and step out and create create choice and then elevate the action. You can have a very different response. And I'll give you some examples of this in a minute. I, want to, I feel yeah. like I'm talking too much. The third step of the rapid power reclaim is when you do that, when you have a different positive elevated action, mm-hmm. you will have a different outcome. And so the third step is about integrating and celebrating.
2: Mm-hmm. And so
1: the, the whole premise is based on the science of neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. which basically says our brains are plastic and are malleable and we can change the neural pathways from the old ones, which are the old triggered responses, to creating new pathways based on the science of positive psychology and neuroplasticity. Mm -hmm. So when we have a positive response to a negative situation, a bumper car moment, we actually are starting to create new neural pathways in our brain. Mm -hmm. The way that we integrate that into our identity is to take a moment to celebrate the fact that we handled something differently. And so that's the three-step process to manage a bumper car moment. And uh, maybe... That's maybe, fantastic. If I give, I'm give, i going to stop talking for a minute because I'm talking too much. Yeah, no, that, that's fantastic. I actually, you know, because it's,
0: it's, what's resonating with me is that, you know, I think you and I lived parallel lives because me, I am a big perfectionist and I'm always trying to, you know, do the people-pleasing thing. Um, and I know that I have kind of some probably subconscious reactions when I feel like I have failed or some sort of setback and then I'll ruminate on that forever. And then, you know, I'll, it'll, I'll bypass another opportunity or I'll just kind of sit there forever. So (laughs) tell me a little bit about that. So in that moment, like, and sometimes I'll reflect and say, okay, next time, but sometimes when I'm in the moment, I don't pause to figure out, like, like you said, that step number one of like, I have a choice here. I can either do what I usually do, or I can do something different. So what would the, what would the tips that you, what are some tips you would share of in that moment? How do you disrupt that pattern?
1: Well, I'll I'll give you a couple different examples. So one of them, as soon as you feel that like, we need to understand what are our triggers. You mentioned some of your triggers of uh, fear of failure, that underlying fear. For me, a trigger is if I feel like if something happens and I feel stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, something somebody does something and I interpret it as I'm stupid. Another mm-hmm. trigger for me is feeling if I feel like I'm getting in trouble. You know, these these it's important to first of all understand what are your hooks, what triggers mm-hmm. you that causes the emotional reaction. Right. So just a simple exercise is to list out when do you get triggered? Yes. Recognize size your triggers? And then also to do a little bit of work about what are some of my underlying beliefs about myself in this work on the book with Martha, we've had a chance to talk to a lot of executives and professionals and asking them about underlying limiting beliefs. And it's amazing how much these limiting beliefs guide our responses to other people at work. Yes. So I remember um, talking to a very high level um, leader who, um, worked in a foreign country on behalf of the US. And he was taught by his dad, that he could never do anything right. His mm. underlying belief is I can't do anything right. And he picks a really high level important job in a foreign country where he has to do everything right. Those right. lives could be lost. But that underlying belief drove him and created, you know, a significant amount of stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it actually makes my heart sad to hear some of the limiting beliefs that people have. Mm -hmm. But the opportunity is to be aware of what are your limiting beliefs? uh, What are your triggers? When are you going to get hooked? Be really clear about those moments. And then we're more alert. We're more conscious to recognizing them when they happen. Sometimes it catches by surprise. Mm -hmm. We like the bumper car um, (laughs) uh, analogy because when we were little, or you know, in t- teenagers at the amusement park, riding in the bumper car ride with friends and family, sometimes someone would tap you, and you'd kind of laugh, like, "Oh, you know, that was funny," but you know, "Ha ha!" Yeah. Slamming into you and coming <laughs> off guard. So yeah. it's important to it's important to be conscious and aware of those situations that are going to cause a reaction. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked years ago. I worked with a leader that his trigger was feeling disrespected. If someone did something that caused him to feel disrespected, he would have a strong um, anger reaction. That was his, that was his way of protecting himself. Right. My reaction is people pleasing. Um, your reaction is perfectionism. We all have yes. our different strategies for managing those triggers, but they also have a detrimental effect on our relationships with people at work. Mm-hmm. and They also have a detrimental effect on how we have a relationship with ourselves and also our loved ones outside of work. Mm-hmm. So, some of the the, the first thought is the, is the consciousness, the awareness. And I have a graphic. I haven't used it in the book, but I'm going to use it in some of the follow up work. Yeah. So it's an image of you know, imagine you're you're you know growing up. You're having some bumper car moments when you're little. for uh-huh. our careers, and the bumper car moments keep happening professionally, and we start to spiral down. It's an image of spiraling down. Yes. In this unconscious state, if you can imagine in your head when you get triggered. That you also could be spiraling up by having conscious reactions, Mm -hmm. having a graphic in your head, you know, when someone's come crashing into you to immediately say, oh my gosh, I have a choice. And that's about creating choice. We still have the physiological response. Our bodies are wired to have that. Mm -hmm. What I know is important in creating choice is I have to discharge that emotion, And so whatever way a person can discharge the emotion, for some people, it's, you know, screaming as loudly as they can just to get the energy and that emotion, that triggered um, feeling inside that physiological, sometimes it's crying. Right. Um, For some people, they like to express it through drawing. You know, I've got a a friend named Sheila uh, Darby. Yes. Called Sketch Poetic.
0: Love, love Sheila. Know her well.
1: (laughs) I love her. And, and and so the expression of the emotion is getting it out of you, purging Mm -hmm. it out of you, whatever way that looks like, there are lots of different ways to do that. So you've got to discharge that physiological response or it's Mm -hmm. hard to elevate action. And so there are lots of different strategies for discharging the energy. Mm -hmm. And then, so that's, I mean, that really answers your question. How do you handle that physiological response is consciously, Being aware, what we teach in the book is you can use the workplace as a laboratory for healing, like your own little mini lab every day. Oh boy, here comes another bumper car moment. I'm going to use use it to practice a new response rather than my unconscious. Oh my God, I'm in trouble. I got to fix it. Who do I need to please? What do I need to do? (laughs) You know, it's, it's the, it's the outdated script that gets launched unconsciously. We can interrupt the pattern and put in a new conscious script.
0: Uh, yeah, I think that is fan- fascinating because as I was reading some of these, I'm like, oh my gosh, I do that too. Like, if I feel like you, you named some of mine when I feel stupid or like you know, and it may not even be someone you know. It's that in- inadvertent, even some in some cases, right? The unconscious microaggression that like, and then I have to catch myself and saying, okay, they didn't mean it this way. How can I like you know not unravel right and like you said spiral downwards how can i like stop this moment and like take a breath and say okay i'm not gonna let myself go down that path but it takes work and it's because i have identified some of those things um but i'm sure there's there's more to the list that i can add that you know even even um you know like you said those bumper car moments of like just stopping and saying, okay, why am I why am I getting angry right now? Um, I think it's really important to pause and to do that. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age. So you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to slash quiz and take the quiz today. Tell me, you know, in your, in your career, I mean, I know that you've, you know, as an HR leader, you're having to deal with lots of different dimensions of diversity. Mm-hmm. Do you see some of these, um, do you see some of these characteristics playing out more with women or underrepresented groups? And how have you helped, you know, try to like, how did you help identify those and get people to
1: work through them? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's a topic I'm very passionate about, is creating a culture where everybody feels included. And what what I have done and, and what I've had the privilege of doing is working with and partnering with a number of different people, men and women, mm-hmm. uh, insider group and outsider groups. Yes. And what's interesting is that the, the reality is that a lot of people, men, women, African American, Black, Hispanic, uh, straight, LGBT, are dealing with some of these issues because the research shows um, that two thirds of, Amer- of American adults, and the studies have been validated in other countries as well. Two thirds of us, nearly two thirds, grew up in some form of a dysfunctional home, mm-hmm. and 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 there's actually a whole body of research around something called ACEs, adverse mm-hmm. experiences. Um, The Centers for Disease Control has some great research on their website. There are 10 ACEs, 10 10 adverse childhood experiences that go from, you know, um, emotional, physical, sexual abuse, neglect, divorce, death in a family, violence in the home, mental Mm -hmm. illness, there's a list. Two thirds have experienced at least one of those. Mm -hmm. And um, nearly 13%, including myself and Martha, experienced four or more. And mm-hmm. so the reality is, is that in the workplace, two thirds of people are what Martha and I call the adult, adult survivors of a damaged past. We had something happen in our past right. that wasn't a positive thing. Um, and, and so the, the question about, you know, doing the work with women and underrepresented or marginalized um, uh, populations is absolutely. There's a lot of opportunity to do that. I do a lot of one-on-one coaching. I know you do a lot of coaching yeah. as well in your organization, so there's an opportunity to help people learn the concepts that we teach in the book. I, I, I do that working with a number of different women in the organization and men mm-hmm. and also teaching men, the same concepts uh, men sometimes have different reactions when they're triggered than women. Right. Do. But for me, my purpose is my ultimate life purpose is really all about teaching self acceptance to create a more joyful world. Mm. So that's for everybody and underlying a lot of the essence and the issues around limiting beliefs is an underlying sense that we aren't as self accepting as we could be, or that we need to be right when we discover deeper levels of self acceptance. And that could be harder to do depending on what your background was. Mm -hmm. um, You know, and again, that, it's hard. Everybody has such unique and different experiences when they're from their past and from their professional lives. Mm-hmm. all of that affects our limiting beliefs and our triggers. And so it, I think it does show up differently depending mm-hmm. on, uh, depending on those paths and depending on some of the things you're talking about. But the beauty of the concepts of healing at work, you guide to overcoming your past through career conflicts is basically everybody is influence whether you are one of those two thirds or you're working with someone that's in the two thirds group. Mm-hmm. You why, why are they having such a strong reaction to this? Right, <laughs> it, seems out of proportion. Uh, it gives, it gives a sense of perspective and, um, context around understanding some of these issues. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm sure you're aware of Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry's new book, what happened to you? Yes. Um, Typically, when we see somebody having a bizarre or overstrong emotional reaction, our tendency is to say what's wrong with them. Mm-hmm. And then in, in Oprah's book and Dr. Perry's book, they talk about I wonder what happened to them mm-hmm. so it right back to those those paths that we come from. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of us had issues with authority when we were little. Our parents, one or the other or both (laughs) workplace and there's authority all over the place. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a setting right for opportunity for discovering new ways of responding versus some of the ways that we did in the past.
0: That's fantastic. And, you know, what some something that struck a point of curiosity for me was we tend to, you know, when I was reading yours and it was just like, okay, you know, dealing with a traumatic or dysfunctional kind of home or past, and you immediately are like, well, I don't think I, you know, I don't think I had that. However, when I started reading more in your book, and you were describing, or unpacking kind of the whole dysfunction is that you were saying you dealt with, you know, an angry parent or an angry father. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I realized, you know what, if I really think about sometimes how, you know, I learned a lot from, you know, just it's even like an angry grandparent, right? I had a grandfather, my mother's father, who was just, you know, very strict, very stern. And, and so my mom was a very much people pleasing kind of perfectionist person. And then I was in the same way. And so you kind of see some of that Um, that played out in, you know, in your life and how that now plays out in the workplace. Um, Can you share a little bit more of like, what we mean by dysfunction. Cause I think people sometimes sure. have a very negative association with the word dysfunction and are saying, Oh, sure. then, no, that's not me. And at, in the reality of yeah. things, when you start digging in, you're like, wait a minute. That is me. I'm part of that two thirds.
1: Yeah, no, you, you just gave me chills when you talked about your grandfather and the dynamic with your mom, because a lot of these are generational, you know, we, we are, we learn what our parents taught <laughs> us. They also typically came from, you know, uh, childhoods that were challenging. So yeah, it's a great question. So dysfunctional, I mean that in the broadest sense of of the of the word. I use mm-hmm. the aces that's a subset of mm-hmm. you know, coming from a childhood that was maybe um challenging. Uh the, the reality is a lot of people say that to me. Well I didn't have a dysfunctional past. I didn't, you know, I didn't experience any of the ACEs. And I say, well, that's great. Is it possible that you had an overly critical parent? Mm -hmm. Perhaps a parent like me, and I, you know, this breaks my heart when I talk about it. I was so busy focused on trying to prove myself at work and worrying about it when I was at home, and then, you know, Mm -hmm. drinking and not being fully present. My kids experienced some of that not my not being around, not being present because I was so focused at work. Mm -hmm. Did I love my sons? Of course, I love them. But when I look back at it, I've, they're now grown, and we've had a lot of really meaningful conversations. They absolutely felt my lack of presence. Mm-hmm. So that had an impact on them, and, and I'm sure they have limiting beliefs that come from it. But what I often find is um, people may not necessarily connect with the term either dysfunctional or damaged past. That's fine. If you have any limiting beliefs that are getting in your way, then the the book is for you. And the opportunity is to understand how whatever whatever is going on for you. It could have been mm-hmm. something that happened to you when you were an adult. Um, that if you're interested in finding new ways to have a different experience in the workplace, a much more grounded, um, in-the-moment, present reaction to what's going on around us, um, it, it's a very broadly, the, the concepts work broadly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I al- also often find that people, and, and this was a big struggle for me, Don't ever want to actually share with others that anything negative happened because they want to protect their families, their Mm -hmm. reputation. I almost didn't write the book because I was concerned about um, how this would be viewed about my dad. My Mm -hmm. dad passed away a long time ago, but he was known in the community where I grew up. you know, sometimes this, we taught so much to keep the secrets of the family. You don't share that. Mm-hmm. Other people say, you know, my past was challenging, but it fueled my success. Mm-hmm. And I say, great. Um, I feel the same way. My question is, could it have been fueled and have the same success with a lot less of the stress and heaviness that you carry throughout your life? Mm-hmm. Typically, the answer is yes. And so... It, it, it's fascinating because you're right. A lot of people say, well, I don't really relate to the terms or, you know, I didn't have any of those aces. And, but when you start talking about some of the, the you know, the, the, who's this book for, you know, do you beat yourself up because you feel like what you did could have been better? Um, do you, have a hard time with work-life balance because you don't like to say no to people. Right, you know, These things affect us. <laughs> they do, you know,
0: and it wasn't really honestly till, you know, my, you know, I've had a very extremely like loving, supportive family. I'm the oldest and only daughter and the oldest granddaughter in the family. But, you know, it wasn't until my wife pointed out that she was like, you know, your perfectionism also comes from, they hold me up on this pedestal and I can do no wrong. And then it's like this bar that I'm constantly trying to, you know, live up to and validation from that and had to really disassociate myself from that to say, okay, who am I doing this for? I need to self-validate kind of like you were saying. So it resonated so much.
1: Yeah, no, I I love that. I mean, that's a great example of even in a really positive environment, Mm -hmm. the expectations you felt about, about yourself, <laughs> mm-hmm. put a lot of pressure on yourself that yes. you probably unconsciously carried along. You've been wildly successful in your corporate, now your are consulting business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it does, it does take a toll and, um, both in terms of health, in terms of quality of life, in terms of quality of relationships and all that can be, we can turn that all around because we have a choice. Yes. That's the beauty of, of the conscious career path. We have a choice. Yes,
0: I love that. Now, I know you have this amazing uh there's this downloadable that I found on your website about like the 34 34- Correct me if I'm wrong. It was like the 34 ways to make yourself feel better instantly. Um, And I found it very, you know, just very tangible of, you know, different things of like reminding yourself about the things you've accomplished in your career or which, you know, we teach a lot of the women that we coach around like creating this greatest hits list. What are your accomplishments? Go back and remind yourself of them and things like that um, and celebrating progress, not just the achievement. Um, what are some others that you would want to leave our listeners with in terms of, you know, making sure that, you know, the next time they feel crappy at work or have a bumper car <laughs> moment, what are some, you know, pearls of wisdom you want to leave behind for them to kind of remember and, and, uh, maybe put into action?
1: Thank you. I love it. And, uh, so one of the, um, Another pearl of wisdom is, I would describe is that when we're in that unconscious place, our inner critic is driving the bus.
2: Mm, yes. And
1: we, again, we can make a choice from inner critic to inner coach. We mm-hmm. have that available to us immediately. We get to choose how we respond. That's another technique. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, do I want the inner critic to be in charge today? Or am I going to let my inner coach be in charge? And that's actually a practice of self-care, uh, self-acceptance mm-hmm. is using those moments and coming from an inner voice coach rather than the inner critic, which it, my my experience carries around a baseball bat hitting its <laughs> head all the time. Right. Uh, so that's one pearl of wisdom. The other one I would leave you with, and I don't think it's on the list, but the 34 ways are really good, um, is just this concept of the workplace as a laboratory for healing. Mm -hmm. I think if we, if we shift our mindset from the workplace is a place of a lot of stress and um, exhaustion and worry to, this is an opportunity to reprogram my brain that Mm -hmm. I can become aware of the triggers and the the responses. Mm -hmm. My, my, you know, my response, adrenaline response is is freeze. Other Mm -hmm. people will flight, other people will fight. Mm -hmm. And so, so getting really clear about what's my physiological response Mm -hmm. and what do I want to do differently about it going forward? There's so much opportunity to to actually start looking forward to the bumper car moments. I kind of look forward, I'm like, when I get triggered now, I say, Oh, here's an opportunity for growth. (laughs) (laughs) And by the way, I'm very fortunate to now be sober for over 17 years. And so no longer using, you know, these uh, negative self soothing techniques to manage the bumper car moments, but actually practicing self-care and self-coaching by looking for the opportunities to continue to learn and grow. And oh my gosh, we could spend so much more time talking about uh, some of the other hacks, but thank you for asking about it.
0: No, that's fantastic, Susan. And I know that our listeners are going to be, you know, just Anxious to get their hands on some more of these. So, what is the best way for you know someone to learn a little bit more? Where can they get your book? How, thing, how can they actually download the the thirty four ways? Um, yeah. What's the best way for them to be in to keep in touch with you?
1: Best way is, and, it, and it's the same way to get the thirty four ways document as well as so if you go to my personal website. It's Susan J Schmidt. S-C-H-M-I-T-T dot com, Susan J. Schmidt dot com. At the very top of the landing page is the 34 ways to make yourself feel better. So you can click on that. Give me your email. I'll send you the beautiful document that we had designed and and then also on the website, I've got a whole page about the book. You can get information about where you can obviously go to Amazon. I've confused people by by getting remarried. <laughs> <laughs> Susan Schmidt. And I'm now Susan Schmidt Winchester. Well, congratulations. So, yeah. Thank you. I know, you know, pre-COVID, it was right before COVID. Uh-huh. So if you go to Amazon, you can certainly type in Susan Schmidt or Susan Winchester in in books, and it comes right up. I think the the giveaway is the bumper car, you know, the bumper cars just to help people remember, but that's the easiest way to find out about what's going on in the book. I'm obviously on LinkedIn as well. Susan, uh, Susan Schmidt Winchester on LinkedIn.
0: Fantastic. Well, I know that's, you know, getting people to rethink the workplace of being kind of, like you said, a laboratory for growth is an absolutely wonderful way to kind of shift your mindset. And being someone who was a science nerd and loved being in the lab, uh, you know, in in college, um, you know, it's a it's a great way to say, okay, I can experiment experiment now and yeah. help, um, you know, help me get over some of these, you know, moments, these trigger moments that I can get rid of in the moment. So thank you so much for that. It'll be something that I will constantly now, like you, say, okay, this is an experimental moment that I get to experiment with and, um, and see some growth. So thank you so much for helping me learn to spiral upwards.
1: Thank you, Monica. I, I loved the conversation. Really appreciate it. And I am, I'm definitely looking forward to talking with you more about the great things you're doing at Beyond Barriers. Some really amazing work to help companies.
0: Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it. And subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect
2: with our guests. See you next episode.